right, Esther chapter number 7 tonight, and uh, we're going to cover chapter 8, or chapter 7 and chapter 8 tonight, and then we'll, Lord willing, we'll finish up the book of Esther next Wednesday night, amen? We come to Esther chapter number 7, and we're going to review a little bit in our last message. Last week, we done an exposition of chapter 5 and 6. Boy, that was two exciting chapters in this story. Queen Esther had invited both the king and Haman to her home to have a banquet. They liked to eat in Persia. And the, and, the, and the king, he liked to have these feasts. She understands that Haman has this plot to destroy her and to destroy the Jews, even though Haman is not even, not even aware at this time that Esther is a Jew. But uh, Esther is trying to figure out how she is going to intercede. And so she has this banquet and Haman and uh, the king come over and the king says, all right, what do you want? She said, well, I'll tell you what I want. I want you to come back. You and Haman come back tomorrow night. We're going to have another banquet. And then after that, I'm going to tell you what my desire is, what, I, what my request, what my petition is. And so uh, they agree to that. And Haman goes home. He's, he goes home. He's all excited. He's going home bragging to his wife and to his friends that of all the people that the queen could invite to her home, he invited, she invited me and the king and nobody else. But about that time, he sees old Mordecai. I like Mordecai. And old Mordecai just standing there. And the Bible said he wouldn't even move for him. So it's almost like Mordecai standing in his way and just kind of shouldered him as he went by. I like that. Amen. And didn't even say, excuse me or pardon me. Mordecai said, I'm not bowing uh, to an Agite. I'm not bowing to that. His family had done that long enough. Mordecai stood. You know what that done? That just tore Haman's nerves up. And so Haman goes home to his wife and to his friends and brags and all that stuff. He said, I'm telling you right now, old Mordecai, I'm paraphrasing, Mordecai's driving me crazy. And they said, well, look, why don't you just go before the king and request that he be hung on those gallows tomorrow? So Haman is on his way to see the king. But while he's on his way to see the king to make that request, the king can't sleep. And so he begins to have the records, the chronicles read to him. And it is read to him that Mordecai had thwarted the assassination attempt of the king five years before. Haman, or the king asked, what was done to Mordecai to reward him? They said, we ain't done nothing. Checks in the mail. And so they said, we've not done anything. And so the king said, well, who's out in the court? I need an advisor. I need a counselor. And they said, well, Haman's out here. Oh, I love this text. I love the story. They asked Haman, said, Haman, what should the king do and to whom he delight? And Haman said, I'll tell you, he needs to do this. And list all these things because Haman thinks that the attention and the praise and adoration is going to come to him. He lists out all these things. And the king said, that's a great idea. Go find Mordecai and do all that to him. And Haman, uh, you can just see, I mean, it, his bottom lips got carpet burn dragging the ground. And, and so he goes and does all that, comes home, and even his wife and his friends say, yeah, you, you, you're going to lose. You're not going to win this battle. So that brings us to chapter 7, verse number 1. So the king and Haman came to the banquet with Esther the queen. And the king said unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed. Even the half of the kingdom. They've done, he's done wine them, them, dined them, if you would. And, and she, he says, All right, what do you want? This is the third time that he has handed a blank check to Esther. He said, Esther, you can have whatever you want up to half of the kingdom. That's a pretty big statement there. And it's the third time she's received it. And so, verse number 3, Then Esther the queen answered and said, 
If I found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. Now, can you see the king? He hears that and he's going, is any man when a woman's talking to him? Huh? <laughs> Come on, fellas. Amen. Verse 4. And then she, exp- thank God, look, ladies, look at the example. Then she explains herself. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we've been sold for bond, bondmen and bondwomen, I'd held my tongue, although the enemy could not counterable the king's damage. In other words, she said, look, I'm a Jew. She reveals her nationality for the first time. She tells the king, look, my people, we're slaves. We're bondwomen and bondmen here. And she said, if that was all that it was, I wouldn't ask you for anything. She said, but our lives are at stake. Here she does what Moses had to do in, in, in Exodus chapter number 2. Hebrews tells us that he come to years. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I've emphasized over and over again throughout this study, I don't think Esther is ashamed of being a Jew. I think she's being wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. But at this time, she, uh, she uh, recognizes that the disguise needs to come off. She needs to let the king know, not only is it these Jews, millions of Jews that's going to die, but your wife is going to die if this law goes through. And here's what I, I wrote this down today. She's done all she can now. For, for a few days, for three days she fasted, and then for two days she had these feasts. Can you imagine? For five days she's been repeating this speech over and over again. And now she's done what she could. You know, there's going to be times in your life when you're going to have to give the king your requests, and that's all you can do. She couldn't change the situation, she had no power in and would love herself to fix it. All she could do is take the matter to the king. Verse number five. Then King Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he? And where is he that does presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and the enemy is this wicked Haman. I like she didn't mince words. She said, I'm going to tell you, the adversary, the enemy, <laughs> this, this, this wicked Haman, You're, that fellow right there, she stood and she pointed them out. And watch Haman, verse 6. Then Haman was afraid before the king and queen. I guess so. <laughs> the, he suddenly figured out, oh man, the, the queen is a Jew. And she's found out about my plan. She was afraid. This is God working behind the scenes. Here is a king who exiled his previous wife because she wouldn't come and show herself to, her, to his friends. And now he's got a, another wife. That just pointed at his best friend, his advisor. And so I'm telling you right now, that man's a wicked and an adversary and an enemy of mine. Verse number 7. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, went into the palace garden. And Haman stood up to make requests for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. The king is obviously shocked and angry. He's a man that has a short temper. By the way, there ain't nothing spiritual about a short temper. Amen. I heard a fellow say one time, if you're going to lose your temper, plan on it. You shouldn't lose your temper. Amen. The Bible said be angry and sin not. There's a righteous indignation. We understand that. But a man that is full of wrath and anger is not a wise man. And the king gets up. He's angry. He's, he's upset. And he walks out. 
I don't think he walks out because he didn't want to deal with the issue. I think he was wise in walking out. He's going out to clear his head. He's going out to, to get his mind. He's trying to process what he has heard. Here is his wife pointing to his best advisor and saying, This man and you, honey, you signed his decree. You're trying to have me killed. He walks out and Haman gets up and he starts pacing the floor. And he says, he knows, he, he knows he's cooked. So he goes to the queen to make requests for his life. The Bible said in verse number 8, Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the, into the palace of banquet of wine, and Haman was falling upon the bed where on Esther was. Here, here's Haman. He goes to the queen. Now, though you got to understand, if you look up the word bed there, it is not always what you think what we sleep in at night. A bed could, all, could, all, could also be another word for couch. It is what they, what they ate at. They would sit in those. They would kind of lean on those pillows, lean on those beds, those couches. And so she is sitting, she is sitting on a place of rest and he's coming over to her and he's begging her is what he's doing he's begging her. ain't it funny he gets mad because a Jew wouldn't bow to him and now he's on his hands and knees begging for his life before a Jew and not just a Jew but a Jewish woman and you know the culture of this day the women were trampled upon the king walks in and he sees and he deduces what any man in here would he sees another man laying on top of his wife and believes that he's trying to assault her. And, and I don't know how, but the king becomes a hero and becomes a husband in this text. Look at verse, look at verse number 8. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? And the word went out of the king's mouth. As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. I said, what does that mean? That means his execution was just moments away before the Persians would execute someone they'd cover up their face. We find that he, he's going to execute him. How's he going to die, though? The Persians, they killed people many ways, tormented people many ways. They would gouge out people's eyes, cut out their tongues, or pierce the tongue or nose with rings, then pull them behind a chariot. That's why you see these people with a piercing here and a piercing here. They're, they're, I mean, just get, get around some Persians. They'll drag you to the street. Um, they'll skin, they would skin people alive. They would impale people on a stake and put them on the outskirts of the city, letting the enemies know and let their neighbors know, hey, if you mess with us, this is what will happen to you. And the king's trying to figure out, how are we going to punish Haman? And I love this guy in verse 9. Harbani uh, is his name. One of, the kings, one of the chamberlains said before the king, Behold also the gallows fifty cubits high which Haman made for Mordecai, who has spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. He said, hey, we got these gallows out here. <laughs> Brand new. <laughs> Ain't never been used. Then the, king, then the king said, hang him there on. Talk about the hanging of the greens. He, he put him out there. Verse 10. So they hanged Haman on the gallows, which were prepared for Mordecai, then was the king's wrath pacified. Now, don't miss this. This all happens, look at verse 8, on that day. It all happens on the same day. What is this day? It is the day when Haman comes to the king and he is coming to ask the king, can we hang Mordecai on those gallows? But it's the same day when Haman is hung on his own gallows. How does that happen? God is working behind the scenes. 
Verse 8, chapter 8, verse 1. And on that day did King Ahasuerus give the house of Haman the Jews' enemy unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told him what was done unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set over the house, uh, set Mordecai over the house of Haman. So I said, Bridget, what's happening here? Uh, Haman is hung, and the king looks at the chamberlains and looks at the authorities and said, you take Haman's wealth, you take his land, you take his property, and you you give it to Esther. And then he said, by the way, cut his corpse down and get that ring off Haman's hand and put it on Mordecai. I've just found his replacement. You can't make this up. Here are the Jews on one day. They're getting ready to be destroyed. Mordecai's getting ready to die. But instead of being hung, he is promoted. And Esther is blessed. Verse 3. Watch Esther's attitude though. And Esther spake yet again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agite and his device which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king held out the golden scepter towards Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king. Watch this. Esther's not just satisfied with her and Mordecai being spared. Remember what we say about Esther? She don't see the selfie. She sees the big picture. Verse number 5. If it be, if it, and, and said, if it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the things seem right before the king, and if I be pleased in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamathan, the Agai, which he arose, which we wrote to destroy the Jews, which are in all the provinces. Watch what she says. For how can I endure to see the, see the evil that shall come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? You know what she says? She says, look, Getting this wealth, getting this land, cousin Mordecai becoming second in command, that's all great. But if we don't do something, my people's going to die. Because the decree had still went out. The law had still been written. The, the law was still to be carried out. She couldn't do everything, but she could do something. I was reading this afternoon in Warren Wearsby's book on Esther, and he said he heard a man by the name of Jacob Stam one night Pray this prayer. Lord, the only thing most of us know about sacrifice is how to spell the word. You know what Esther's doing? She's putting herself on the line again before the king. I mean, he has just been very favorable to spare her being a Jew, spare cousin Mordecai, kill her adversary. But she is willing to sacrifice that again to make sure her kindred... Sadly, Mr. Stam's prayer is right. Most of us, the only thing we know about sacrifice is how to spell the word. Esther is illustrating what she said in Esther chapter 4. If I perish, I perish. Sometimes in this world we live in, we get tunnel vision. We get focused on us. But there is a greater picture. Esther sees that. Verse number 7. Then King Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman and they have hanged him upon the gallows because he has laid his hand upon the Jews. Period. Now, can you see they're, they're, they're breathing in here? He's, he, is he going to say, I've done enough? Watch what he says, though. God working behind the scenes. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you. He said, okay, rewrite it how you want it. In the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring, for the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed it with the king's ring, made no man reverse. You know what he says? He said, you know what? That's right. So y'all write it and make it say whatever you wanted to say. 
you can reverse this, seal it with my ring, and go publish it. Verse number 9. Then were the king's scribes called at that time in the third month. That is the month of seven and the three and the uh, twentieth day thereof. And it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews and to the lieutenants and the deputies of the rulers of the provinces, which are from India and Ethiopia, 127 provinces, unto every province according to the writing thereof, and unto every, unto every people after their language, and to the Jews according to their writing and according to their language. The scribes were called in, and Esther and Mordecai dictated the details of this new law and decree. I would also note that Esther chapter 8 verse 9, that is the longest verse in your King James Bible. And you know what it was? It was a word of deliverance for the Jews. Warren Wearsby said the Jews have attended the funeral of every one of their enemies. The enemies of the Jew, the enemies of Israel have come against and fought and fought and fought. But Hitler's dead. Saddam's dead. Bin Laden's dead. And the leaders, even in this country, some who were voted in, again, this past election, they will not win. They will not beat that Jew. Verse 10, And he wrote in King Ahasuerus' name and sealed it with the king's ring and sent letters by post on horseback and riders on mules and camels and young dromedaries. Those dromedaries are just young horses. You know what he did? He pulled every resource he had. He said, you get every rider, every post, and you ride through every province, every city, and you tell them that the, the, the curse has been reversed, the law has been changed, a new law has been written. You know what our job is to do? We are to ride through this world. We are to tell others that, yes, we were condemned. We were under the judgment of God, but thank God a new law has been written. A new decree has been made. What is it? We have have heard the joyful sound Jesus saves Jesus saves it wasn't enough for the law to be written word had to get out verse 11 wherein the king granted the Jews which were everywhere and uh, which were everywhere in every city which were in every city excuse me to gather themselves together and to stand for their life to destroy to slay and to cause to perish all power of the people and province that would assault them both little ones and women and to take the spoil of them for prey. There's a lot of argument about what this means, but here's what the king granted. He said, look, y'all don't need to go pick a fight, but you Jews defend yourself because there are people that are still in line with Haman's decree. And he said, if they come against you, you stand and defeat yourself. Don't be the aggressor, but you defend. And we are commanded, hey, the, the battle has already been won. The battle has already been won for us, but we are to fight the good fight of faith, Paul said. Verse 12, upon the... One, uh, uh, upon one day in all the province King Ahasuerus namely upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month which is the month of, uh, month of Dar the copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people and that the Jews should be ready against the day to avenge themselves on their enemies this decree demanded haste it's interesting uh, Rob Mattoon said in his book the decree of Haman was written in the law and it lasted for seventy days and the Jews were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. But God delivers again. We're almost done. Verse 15, And Mordecai went out from the presence. Or verse 14, So the posts that rode upon the mules came out and went, being hastened and pressed upon by the king's commandment. And the decree was given at Shushan the palace. And Mordecai went out from the presence of the king. Watch this now. In royal apparel of blue and white, and with a great crown of gold, and with a garment of fine linen and purple, 
and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. Oh, Mordecai's looking pretty good now. Not bad for a guy who's fixing to get hung. He's, do you see the gospel message? He's condemned. His enemy's coming for his life. But he had an intercessor that went to the king on his behalf. His enemy died. And Mordecai now looks different. His position's different. His apparel's different. Hey, Amen. His life is never the same after this day. Verse 16, the Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. These, this speaks of the joy and the excitement of the Jews. Verse 17, and in every province, in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast, and they eaten again. And watch this, I love this, and a good day. You know, was, you know why it was a good day? Because they were condemned. They was going to die. But one went to the king on their behalf. Was willing to say, if I perish, I perish. Was willing to give their life. Do you see the gospel in this? Was willing to give their life for people that really didn't even know them. And you know what turned out? They had a good day. Now don't miss this. Don't miss this last phrase. And many of the people of the land became Jews. For the fear of the Jews fell upon them. What does that mean? means they became Jewish proselytes. What did that mean? That means that the Persians saw how God worked, how this miracle worked, and they pushed aside their false gods and began to serve the God of Israel. They couldn't. Somebody said, Jewish proselytes, just like Rahab, just like Ruth, just like Caleb, they denied, they did, just like some of those mighty men, just like Uriah the Hittite, they denied their false gods and they received the God of Israel. Why? Because they saw the hand of God working behind the scenes. And it may be in your life that you can't see what God's doing and you don't understand what God's doing, but God might use that situation. God might use that malady to touch somebody's heart, to touch somebody's soul, and they would say you know what what I have is not working what I have is not satisfying my soul I think I'll go with your God that's what Ruth said she told Naomi where thou diest I'll die thy people shall be my people and thy God shall be my God how does that happen how does Persia have a revival of people turning from false gods and turning to Jehovah I'll tell you how there is a God working behind the scenes and he is still working behind the scenes tonight. In closing, here's some practical lessons we learned from these two chapters. Chapter 7, verse 1 through 6, I wrote this down. Be humble and be honest when you come before the king. She didn't walk in there and say, I'll tell you, king, I'm going to tell you what the problem is, oh, Haman. No, she came in with a right spirit. And she came in with honesty. The Bible said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Number two, I wrote this down. Be careful what you spend your life building because it may be what destroys you. Haman took all of his attention, all of his finances, all his passion to build those gallows. And it was exactly what destroyed his life. Where are you laying up treasures at tonight? Are you laying up treasures on the earth where moths and thieves and steal, break through and steal? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Number three, I wrote this down. Chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Rewards are better than revenge. Esther and Mordecai 
receive things that they never thought they'd receive because they didn't try to take on Haman. Did you hear me? They let the king handle it. People hurt you. People do you wrong. People attack you. But you put it in the king's hands and rewards are better than revenge. The Lord said, uh, I will repay. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord, I will repay. Number four, share, the victory with, share, share victory and joy with others. Chapter 8, verse 3 through 17. Esther and Mordecai knew there was victory, but they wanted others to know. And they thought the commission of the church to tell others that there is victory. Boy, I appreciate how we see the hand of God working behind the scenes. And may God use these thoughts of the book of Esther to encourage our hearts that you may not conceive Him. You may not can trace Him. But standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. Amen. I appreciate your attention. I preached 24 minutes tonight. Go ahead and turn that live stream off there, Brother, uh, brother uh, Phil.